When I saw Jack for our next session, I started by asking him if he was ready for communication skills and conflict resolution. Only if it's as good as you make it out to be, Doc, he said. Once you know the players and brain politics, communication can look very different, I told him. You now have the tools to get the outcomes that you want when talking to other people using the brain politics framework. I am Dr. Rajiv Parinja. Welcome back to Brain Politics. Let's imagine for a moment that two identical twins grew up separately because their parents separated when they were young. One of them became a chess grandmaster at the age of 22, while the other one has never played chess and doesn't even know the rules of chess. When this twin discovers that his sibling is a grandmaster in chess, he decides to learn to play chess. Now, arguably, he had the same intellectual ability and could be a grandmaster in chess. However, just learning the rules of chess is not going to be enough. He is going to need thousands of hours of practice to hone his skills to get to that level. However, once he starts to practice, he will find himself getting better quite quickly. I want you to keep that in mind when you're thinking of conflict resolution from a brain politics framework standpoint, because it does require some practice and knowing the rules is not enough. When I think of two people talking to each other, especially in a situation that involves conflict, I see two realms communicating with each other and each realm has a treasurer, the brain's reward system, the duke, the brain's emotional system, the king, the brain's executive functions and self-control, the robot, the brain's habit system, and the ghost, the brain's unconscious. Each of these players can have their own agendas and can respond in their own peculiar ways as the interaction between the two realms progresses. Once you know the rules by which these players make their moves, you can develop strategies to get the outcomes that you want. This takes a bit of practice, but you will begin to get better once you start. Let's take a story of an argument between Jack and his wife. When Jack was working on Wall Street, he was making good money and he was spending well too. He was living with his wife who was also spending a fair amount of money. It wasn't anything they couldn't afford, but one day Jack met this new guy at work. Let's call him John. They were at lunch together and John was telling everyone how he had calculated how much money he needed to save for retirement. He was aiming to retire within 15 years and was ahead of his targets. Now Jack was very knowledgeable about investments because that was his job. But he had never worried much about personal finance because he thought that he was making a lot of money. He realized that he had saved a lot less than this new guy and that bothered him. He decided that he would also set a retirement target date and start saving. He thought about his spending, and then he thought about his wife's spending. He definitely did not like his wife's spending. 
His own spending was on things that he found rewarding, but the things that his wife spent on were not rewarding for him. His duke came on board and made him feel a little annoyed with his wife's spending. He decided to have a conversation with her that evening. Needless to say, that conversation did not go well. That evening, when Jack met his wife, he said, I was speaking to the new guy, John, today. He is saving a lot more money than we are saving for retirement. He's on track to retire in 15 years. He's got the total amount of money he needs calculated and his investments all figured out. I was really impressed. I think we need to work on our own savings goals and spend less money. This seems like a fairly neutral statement, but he sounded annoyed when he said it. That annoyance is instantly picked up by his wife's duke. She feels she's under attack and she reacts to it. You mean you want me to cut down on my spending, said his wife. No, I don't want only you to cut down on your spending, but I want us both to cut down on our spending, said Jack. Why don't you cut down on your spending first and then we will talk, says his wife. Now Jack's duke is coming on board. He says we are under attack and we need to attack back. Look, I spend on things that are important for my career and networking, and I'm still willing to cut down on them, but the things you are spending money on are not that important. Now his wife's duke says, we are under attack. Let's fight. Why are you yelling at me for my spending? She starts. He interrupts her and says, I'm not yelling at you. Yes, you are, she says. Why is it not possible to have a normal conversation with you without starting an argument? He says. So I am the one who started the argument, she says. Who brought up spending in the first place? Now Jack is feeling furious. His duke suggests a different strategy. Instead of trying to save money, he could defeat her by letting her spend more money and then telling her that they are bankrupt and she was wrong and he was right. The treasurer comes on board and says, I really like that. Jack's goal now changes. That's fine. You keep spending the way you are spending and I'll keep spending the way I'm spending and one day all our friends will be retired and we will be bankrupt. And in a way, this almost feels good to Jack at this time. Being right and having the other person wrong is very rewarding. And in a conflict, the goal can change to make us want to utterly and completely defeat the other persons, even at some cost to ourselves. There are many cases where an argument started after a small car accident, but it escalated and the party whose car was damaged actually slammed their car into the first party, damaging their car even more. This seems utterly illogical. But once our emotional system comes into play, it can create a completely different goals, which causes escalation of the conflict. I want you to imagine two realms facing each other. The first players in each of these rounds are the two treasurers. These are the two reward systems sitting in the lower part of the brain. Each treasurer is tracking many things that we find rewarding. 
It is constantly churning out estimated reward values for different outcomes in a conflict. One of the important things in the context of a conflict is our status in the hierarchy. The treasurers also like winning. They like seeing other people humiliated and defeated. They like revenge. We don't like to go into fights with people who have a higher status than us because we know that this can lead to defeat and punishment. This is something your treasurer is thinking about when making decisions. As an example, if Jack's secretary calls to book in a client after working hours, he says no. But when his boss calls with a similar request, he says yes. He makes both of these decisions automatically without much thinking. The second set of players are the two dukes. These are the brain's emotional systems. The dukes are close buddies with the treasurers. When the treasurer anticipates a loss, the duke rises to protect the kingdom. The duke's job is to find ways to assert your status and discourage any challenges to you. When we anticipate conflict, our duke comes into play and produces anger which makes us want to draw attention to our status and assert it. We feel like saying, Do you know who I am? Don't you dare mess with me! Dukes have certain characteristics. Dukes love to duel. If one duke is playing, other dukes want to go and play too. If another duke challenges you, your duke will rise and accept the challenge. The dukes love doing duke-duke. Dukes are especially good at knowing when other dukes are in play, even if the person doesn't know it themselves. Your duke will sense annoyance, sarcasm, threats, even before you know it, even if they are imaginary. In one of our previous sessions, we discussed the research about how our brain's limbic system lights up in a scanner when we see the picture of a face with an emotional expression, such as a frowning face. We can have an emotional reaction before we fully comprehend what started it. Dukes want to defeat the other dukes utterly and completely. They want to intimidate other dukes into backing down and then humiliate them to assert our status. They don't like compromises and half measures. They will keep suggesting that you escalate the conflict until the other person is completely defeated. Dukes want you to reclaim the status that the treasurer loves. They can change the goals in a conflict. As an example, you may go into a conversation like Jack did with your significant other about saving money to avoid a foreclosure. If you find you can't get your way, you may find that the Duke now wants you to end up with the foreclosure simply so you can prove to your significant other that you were right and she was wrong. Being right allows you to have a higher status and Dukes love that. Dukes selectively pick out things from your memory that prove the point that they are trying to make. If you are upset with your boss for setting difficult deadlines, the Duke will remind you of all the times that he has set tight deadlines in the past. You may be reminded of other unreasonable things that he did. If you become really furious, the Duke may even tell you of how everything in the world is unreasonable and make you really upset. This is the Duke's way of motivating you to respond aggressively. Dukes also hold back information that might make you feel empathy for others. If there's any information that might make you 
feel like stopping the Duke-Duke match, your Duke will hold it back and make you very reluctant to pay any attention to it. The Duke has no capacity for empathy when the status is being challenged. The Duke stops the king from trying to understand the other person's point of view or their situation. When you are dealing with the Duke, never go head to head against the Duke. That is true for your own Duke or anyone else's Duke. This only winds the Duke up more. Always identify and validate your own emotions as well as other people's emotions. Watch out for Dukes. They are always looking for an opening and if a conflict escalates, the Dukes will step in and start offering their own interpretations of events. The next player, which is the most important one, is the king. The king sits in our frontal lobe and has self-control. It is smarter but slower than the duke and the treasurer. The king often rejects many of the duke's ideas, but the duke can take over and make the king plan and deliver his agenda. The king will try to make you think rationally and engage the rational part of the other person's brain. However, when the duke is coming on strong, the king may not be able to overpower it. Another player is the robot. We form habits of responding to difficult situations if we have been in the same situation many times. If you have always yelled at your partner when he or she does something that you find annoying, you may find yourself doing it even before you had a chance to think. You may be unable to stop it even if you had decided not to do it again. We have to recognize the habits we have formed to deal with the conflicting situations to be able to work around them. In these situations, pre-commitment works. We process information using different parts of the brain. If someone says something that seems to be a threat or a slight, our brains produce an emotional response. As we saw in the earlier sessions, emotions affect our thinking in a way that tends to reinforce the emotion. The purpose of emotions is to make us act in a way to get the reward back. As we do that, we can find ourselves getting loud and aggressive or sad and attention-seeking. In responding emotionally, we end up engaging the limbic system or the duke of the other person that we are communicating with. When we are talking to people, information is being received by them and processed by their duke, which screens it for any threats slights or put-downs. It is also making it to their frontal cortex where the king is trying to make sense of what they are saying and considering appropriate responses. If we hear something that we don't like, the duke takes over and promptly produces an emotional state which could make us angry or sad. Sometimes it can make us anxious depending on the situation. If we go back to the conversation that Jack was having with his wife, we can see that she feels attacked and then he feels attacked and ultimately the conversation goes from duke to duke. 
You can imagine it going in a number of different ways, but it is likely to escalate and unlikely to lead to a meaningful resolution at this point. They might both find that their memories are hijacked by emotion. They can both recall instances of overspending by the other person. They both recall other instances where the other person seemed not to care about their concerns. They both see a horrible financial future if the other person is not able to rein in their spending. Successful communication involves making the other people understand and feel what you are feeling. You can do this better if you take the time to understand and then feel what they are feeling first. You first need to be aware of what is going on in your own realm. What is the treasurer doing? Decide on the goal that you want to achieve and commit to not changing it. This is important because when you get emotionally activated, the goals can change from being productive to being destructive. Make sure that your emotional system is calm and not getting ready to attack. If you are not able to do this, take a break and re-engage when you are able to stay calm. Engage the other realm's king. If their duke comes on board, offer recognition and validation and that will stimulate the reward system, activating the treasurer, and it will calm the duke. Always watch out for your own duke, who will be looking for every opportunity to come on board and change the game from one of compromise and agreement to one where the only goal is utter and humiliating defeat of the other realm. You can engage the other person's reward system by asking them questions which draw their attention to the rewards that you want for them. As an example, Jack could have asked his wife if she had ever thought about how long she wanted to continue working for and when she would like to retire. He could ask her what she would want to be doing in her retirement. All of these questions will engage her reward system and make her think about what she wants. She may very well want the same things that Jack wants. Once they're aligned, they are a lot more likely to agree on a plan on how to reach their goals. The key to ending confrontations is to first start with your own realm. Tell yourself what your goals are and set them as a reward. If you are emotionally activated, recognize it and validate it and take some time to calm down. Once you are in control of your own realm, you can engage with the other realm. Once again, start with the reward system. One of the things that we find very rewarding is being listened to. Everyone likes and wants to be listened to. Take some time to listen to the other person without interrupting or contradicting. Encourage them to say more. This is rewarding and puts their duke out of a negative emotional state. At this point, you may have the opportunity to resume communicating from king to king. Jack could say, once he's already in this difficult situation with his wife. 
I'm sorry, honey, if I felt like I was attacking you. I didn't mean to or want to. If the escalation has gone to the point where Jack just doesn't feel like offering any concessions, he could just point out what the reward was that his wife lost and acknowledge her emotional reaction. He could say something like, I can see that you feel I blame you for spending too much money and that upsets you. Here, Jack has not admitted that he blames his wife. He has not apologized. He has just stated the facts as they are. This will interrupt the escalation. Now, this may seem easy in theory, but it can be difficult to put in practice. Offer your own reward system a reward for being good at conflict resolution. This will allow you to keep focused on the outcome. You can tell yourself, I am an expert communicator. If you find yourself having an emotional reaction that is hampering your king from staying in control, try and excuse yourself and have the conversation when you are in a state of acceptance. An analogy I use to think of an expert communicator is that of a surgeon. The surgeon doesn't go to the patient and say, if you had taken better care of your health, you would not have needed the surgery in the first place. A surgeon's approach to the problem is, I'm a highly trained surgeon, I'll bring my best skills to deal with the problems and try to get you the best possible outcome. As an expert communicator, you are able to override your emotional responses and take a surgical approach to getting the outcomes you want in the communication. Jack found this interesting and as usual, he wanted a summary of the session. The process of communicating with another person involves your realm with all its five characters, engaging with the other person's realm with their five characters. Typically, the three important characters in each realm are the king, the duke, and the treasurer. Your goal is to keep the conversation flowing from the king to the king by managing your own realm and the duke and the treasurer of the other realm so they don't come in between the king-to-king -king conversation. You can disarm your own duke and treasurer by offering acknowledgement and validation to your emotions as well as telling yourself that you can do a good job because you are a good communicator. You can reward the other person by listening to them without interrupting or contradicting. This weakens the duke's tendency to attack. This may need some time. Resist the urge to rush this process. You can also bring their treasurer's attention to the rewards you think they might want by asking them questions. You can then resume a king-to-king -king conversation and eventually have their duke feel what your duke is feeling. This process is not easy. It takes some practice. Every time you find yourself in a difficult communication situation, break it down by the different players in the realm and see how you could have got the outcomes that you wanted. With practice, it becomes easier and even automatic. In our next session, 
we meet a famous movie character who comes from a different world. He asks Jack questions that make him have a completely different perspective on our lives and our current situation. He learns how positive emotions make absolute sense from a logical standpoint, but we just think it is normal not to feel them because most people are not feeling them. He learns how to choose positive emotions. If you have questions or comments, please go to wgte.org slash brainpolitics. I am Dr. Rajiv Parinja. I am your host and producer. Our executive producer is Chris Pfeiffer. This is Brain Politics. I hope you will join me for the next episode. WGTE. Voices around us. WGTE is supported in part by American Rescue Plan Act funds allocated by the City of Toledo and the Lucas County Commissioners and administered by the Arts Commission.